I've titled this sermon, The Word of Power. The Word of Power. And we're going to be in Psalm 119, and we're going to be in verses 9 through 11. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Just a little context. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. It's 176 verses. It's written by a collection of people, and it's a beautiful poetic psalm that we see as one of the most intricate moments of the word of God being impacted in this person's life. We get to see just a beautiful rendition of this explanation of why the word is important, and through that, how we can apply it to our lives. The Psalm 119 is rich talks about the word about 22 times and uses the reference of the word. It talks about ordinances and the law and all these other things. And it's a wonderful place for you to start in your scriptures if you don't know where to start. Psalm 119 is beautiful, and you should start there. Let's go over there. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Verse 10, with all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Verse 11, I've treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Will you pray with me? (sighs) Lord, thank you that your word is a word of power. God, we're so thankful that you choose to give us the authority and the power of heaven. Lord, I'm praying that you would be here this evening. Holy Spirit, open up our ears to hear. Open up our hearts to receive, our minds to understand, and our eyes that we might a little bit, that we might see you a little bit more clearly. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. My first point is this, and I'm going to give you all my points for those of you who are taking notes. My first point is this, keeping power, keeping power. And then the next one is seeking power, seeking power. And the last one is treasuring power. Now, I'm going to say these again, and I want you to say them with me. The first point is keeping power. Praise God. The second word is seeking power. There we go. And the last one is treasuring power. Wonderful. Let's start with keeping power. Let's go to verse 9. What does it say in verse 9? It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. What a beautiful beautiful way that we start this next nine sections or nine, uh, eight verses of this psalm. And I was in Germany a while ago in November because my wife is from there, her family's from there. And this was my first time driving in Germany. Has anyone, does anybody know about what happens when you drive in Germany? Does anybody know? If you do, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Driving in Germany is probably the best place to drive. For any people who like cars, who like driving, who like going fast, go to Germany. It will, it will like, touch your heart. It'll make you excited. It'll be a great moment. So I get to drive in Germany and this is my first time. I'm super excited. I'm a little nervous because I don't know all the rules and I'm like, oh, I might break some rules. I might mess up a little bit, but we're going to find out. Hopefully I don't go to jail in Germany. I might not get out of there, but we're getting in the car and we're driving and we get out of the terminal in the airport. We get it out of the city and then we go and we're getting on the highway. And what the highway is, is called the Autobahn in German. It just means that the word Autobahn means highway. So we're on the highway And then we hit this stretch of road. And my wife tells me, hey, you can go as fast as you want. And I was like, what? You sure? (laughs) You're not tricking me, right? And she said, no. And then I see people flying by me at 110, 115. And I'm like, what the heck is this? What's going on? And then I'm like, okay, let's figure out how to do this. So I push on the gas a little bit. I hit about 80, 85. And I'm like, okay, I feel, feel a little safe now. And then she tells me again, 
She's like, you know, this, this is the sign. So whenever you see this sign, you can go as fast as you want. I said, okay. So then we hit a, a stretch of road that has this sign of you can go as fast as you want again. So we're heading, we're going, we're going, we're going. And I hit like 95, and I'm like, maybe I should go to 100. I don't know yet. I'm still a little nervous. So I don't. And then the third time comes, and I'm like, man, let's see how fast I can go. Forget that last two times. Let's just go. So I hit on the gas, going like 120. And I'm sitting there like, man, this is so much fun. Now, it cut down the time that we had to drive to our destination about an hour and a half. It's great. It's phenomenal. I love it. But what I really noticed beyond the fun of driving in Germany is the moments when we slowed down, my car actually had this system in it that would correct me if I ever moved out of my lane. And I was like, wait a second, this is kind of annoying. I don't like this that much because I want to drive the car. I want to be the one in control of the car. And so every single time I would try and turn or, or, or go to a new lane, the car would like jerk me back. And I'm like, wait, but this is, uh, just let me drive. Just let me get to my destination. Sometimes that's how we feel with the word. Where we're trying to go to our destination and say, hey, I'm the captain of the ship. I've got the steering wheel in my hand and we're taking this next step. We're taking this next moment. We're going and we're going. And then God's like, hey, what, let me put you back in your lane. But let me put you back where you're supposed to be because you're trying to get out to another person's lane. You're trying to get out to another person's moment. You're trying to get out and be in another person's spot when I've put you in this spot for a specific purpose, purpose and place. And then I noticed this moment when I was driving and I was like, Lord, I hate this car. And then he told me, he said, you know, people do this to my word all the time. Where I've given them the guide, I've given them the necessary things to stay where they're supposed to, and yet they reject every single step of it. I've given them everything they need to move forward and to progress and to get to their destination, not without me, but with me, and yet they don't want it. Why? Because it's not the way they want it to be. How many of us have rejected God's way because it wasn't our way? I know I have a couple of times, and the Lord had to correct me once again. But how do we keep our way pure? Keep it according to the word. You see, what I realized in driving this car and trying to get to my destination is I didn't know where the end destination was. I just knew that if I stepped in the car and I listened to the GPS, I would ultimately get to the place where I was supposed to be. And so what I needed to do was I needed to listen to the GPS. I needed to listen to the GPS because I don't know Germany. I'm going to be honest with y'all right now. I don't know the names of most roads in this area. I know landmarks. And so when you tell me, hey, you need to take 28 to 50 and then go south, I'm like, hey, can you tell me where the landmarks are? <laughs> can you tell me what it looks like? Because I need to know what it looks like before I get there. The Lord is telling us through his word, through this scripture, if you follow my word, you'll keep your way pure. You'll keep yourself from sinning. You'll keep yourself from the enemy. You'll keep yourself according to my word, and you'll end up at the destination where you've always dreamed of but never thought the way you'd get there. How do we keep our way pure? By keeping it according to his word. You know, there's an interesting moment in Scripture where we realize that the word really is the power of God. Has anybody got to that moment where you're reading the word and you're like, wait a second, this is the power of God. Maybe I should listen to it. Maybe I should stop rejecting it and start receiving it because when I start receiving it, I can move freely. When that happened to me, I began to take the next step of faith. And sometimes that step of faith comes in the dark. Sometimes it comes when we least expect it. 
Can we, can we turn off the lights, actually? I want to do this little illustration. Okay. Y'all aren't going to be able to see me. Hopefully you can't. Great. Praise the Lord. This is perfect. So I've got some candles here that I'm going to light. And I can, wow, this, I didn't expect to have the phones shining up in the faces. That's cool. Um, so go ahead and light that candle. There we go. Now, the word of God says in Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It means that when we listen to the word and we follow the word, we're keeping our way by the word. And we're having the keeping power of God be able to keep us where we should be. So right now I'm standing next to this candle, right? I can't really see that well. And it's dark outside. And I don't know what's going on. But what I do know is that when the Lord said, keep your way according to the word. And when he said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. All I need to know is that where the next step is, is where the light is. Go ahead and light that next candle. You can blow that one out. We don't want any lit candles in this place. Okay. I made some progress, but I still can't see what's in front of me. I still don't know what lies ahead. All I know is that the Lord said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you're on the college campus and you're wondering what to do, keep according to the word. If you're at your family's house and they don't know Jesus and you're trying to be a light to them and you don't know what to do, keep your way according to the word. If you're at your job and you're sitting there like, what do I do? How do I get to the next place? Keep it according to the word. Go ahead and light that next candle. Right now, I've made progress, but I'm in the dark. The darkness is the place in which we try to reject, but it's the place in which the light is clearly seen. When we are in the darkness, that's when we can most visibly see the light. And that's when our light most clearly shines. So go ahead and light that next candle because I'm going to keep progressing, even though it's dark outside and I don't know what the next step is. I'm going to keep progressing because the word told me if I keep my way according to the word, then I'm going to end up at the destination in which I need to be. Blow out that candle, please. That last one. And the cool thing about this is that when you take the next step of faith, the old one that you took is not a place where you go back to, but it's a place where you look back and say, God, thank you that I trusted you there. So when you look back at the step you took before and you say, Lord, I'm at your right destination right now, you can then begin to say, Lord, thank you that I didn't know where to go, but your light lit my way. Your word lit my way. You can turn on the lights now, please. We need to keep our way according to the word because what will happen is we'll end up right where we're supposed to be. The word has keeping power. So if you don't know where to go, keep your way according to it because it'll keep you. It'll keep you consistently and it will allow you to experience the presence, the person, the joy, the heaven that we so want and so long for every single day of our lives. There's another story and this one you might not like so much, but there's another story in the scriptures. It's actually from Moses. Moses was a great man, probably one of the best leaders that we've ever seen in history. Led two million people out of captivity. And for those who don't know the story, that's okay, I'm going to tell it anyways. Moses was a man who was born as a Hebrew, as an Israelite. He lived in the Egyptian palace as an Egyptian. He was raised as an Egyptian in their culture. And when he got to the age of really being able to recognize this, he felt this tension within himself that said, 
I see my people being enslaved, and I see this, joy, this, this culture that I grew up in, and I don't know which one to choose. And if you're on the fence of saying, I see my past, and I really enjoy the moments that I had with my friends at the bar, and I see Jesus and the life that they live and the freedom that they have, and I don't know which one to choose, can I tell you to move towards Jesus because he'll always set you free from the things that you once were held by? Moses was sitting there in this tension, and he was like, what do I do? What do I do? So he ends up doing the worst thing. He kills one of the Egyptians, trying to protect his people. Then he flees. He runs away because Pharaoh's like, hey, I'm going to get you, bro. You can't do that. I mean, we raised you. You can't just kill your people. But he's like, but these are my people. I don't know what to do because you're telling me to enslave my people, but I'm one of you, and I'm just confused. Anybody ever feel confused sometimes? <laughs> just sometimes I feel confused. And so Moses runs away, and he's sitting there, and he's like, Okay, cool. I ain't got to ever deal with what happened in the past. And then God calls him back to it. God will call you back to the place you ran from to heal you. God will send you back to the place that you had the most pain and the most frustration and the most lack. And he'll say, I want you to go back there because I'm going to do something great. So God sends Moses back to the Israelites. And he sends him back and Moses is like, fine, I'll go. I don't really want to, but I'll go anyways. So he goes, and the Lord says, I'm going to do these amazing miracles with you. He does it. And then we get to this place where Moses has performed the ten, the, the, the ten miracles, and the plagues happen, and then their people are set free. And the next thing you know, they're out in the wilderness, and they're like, whoa, okay, I guess we're going. And Pharaoh's coming behind them, and they're freaking out. They're at the Red Sea. And they're like, we should have just stayed in Egypt because we would have died there, and it would have been better than dying out here. But there's a little part before that. In Exodus 13, verse 17 and 18, it says this. It says, the Lord told Moses, go by the way of the Red Sea, because if I lead you by the land of the Philistines, the people will see war, and they'll go back to Egypt. This is really interesting, because oftentimes we think the wilderness is a bad place. We think the wilderness is a place of drought. We think it's a place of frustration. We think it's a place where God is not with us. But God actually led this people to the wilderness. What does that tell us? The wilderness is for your protection. When we're in the wilderness, if we're keeping our way according to the word, guess where we are in the place that's most protected? I don't know about y'all. I've been in a wilderness this last couple of months. And it's been frustrating. It's been hard. There have been one thing after another coming at me, and all I've had to do, all I knew how to do, all that I could continue to do was keep my way according to the word. Because if I had kept it any other way, I would have lost my mind. I would have started driving myself to anxiety and fear because I didn't know what was coming next. But when I held on to the word and I kept the word, the word kept me. So when you don't know where to go, keep it according to the word because it will keep you where you're supposed to be. The word has keeping power, has keeping power. The next thing it has, seeking power, seeking power. Say it with me, seeking power. What does verse 10 say? With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. I have a, um, a two-year-old. She's wonderful. She's a joy. But let me tell you, this girl is aggressive, like so aggressive, and she wants to win, and she will not take no for an answer. Let me not use aggressive. She's resilient. Let's put it that way. It's better. It sounds better. Um, and 
when we're at our house, she'll say, Verstecken, we speak German in my house. So she'll say, Verstecken, Verstecken, and that means hide and seek. She wants me to play hide and seek with her. So we'll start playing, and we'll be in her room, and I'll close the door, and I'll run into the bathroom really quickly. And then she comes out, and she says, Papa. And I say, Pete. And then she'll run to the living room, and she'll say, Papa. And I'll say, Pete. And then she'll run into the kitchen, Papa. I'll say, peep, and then she'll run back down the hallway all the way to this end, and she'll say, papa, and she'll go into my room. She'll say, papa, and then finally, she'll come back to the place in the the hallway, and she'll turn around, and she'll open the door, and I'll be saying, peep, and she's like, I found you, and I'm like, you sure did. My house isn't that big, but you sure found me. It wasn't super difficult, but you sure found me. I wasn't hiding very hard, but you sure found me. When you seek the Lord, you will find him. The question is, are we seeking? Are we seeking God? Are we seeking him daily, not just once a week, not just twice a year, not just three times in my, in my, during my week, Not five times, not six times are we seeking him every single day because when we do, we will find him. And as we seek him, the most beautiful thing about us seeking him is that he starts to come and be with us and seek us. If you felt like you've been in a a drought and you haven't heard God's voice in a long time, it might not be that he's not seeking you. It might be that you're not seeking him. If you've been questioning, God, why am I here? What am I doing? I've been looking for you, and I've been trying to find you everywhere but your word. Then you're going to miss out on finding God because God is so close. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says, The Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor his ear so dull that it cannot hear. What does that mean? It means that he's close. It means that he's close enough to touch you at all times. The question is, are you trying to find him? And once you find God, once you've sought God, once you have gone to the scriptures and looked at the beauty and the depth in the scriptures, what begins to happen to you is that God begins to seek your heart. And when God starts to seek your heart, he does it to heal you. Oftentimes we start to get in those places of pain and we're like, Lord, no, we can't go there anywhere but there. I'm not trying to deal with that again. No, no, no. And then we end up rejecting the healing that God wants to bring because it's too painful to bring up again. Can I tell you that God is the best surgeon on planet earth? He's the best surgeon outside of planet earth. He's the best surgeon that will ever exist. And you know, what's the best thing about God? I just got these new knives for my birthday. And these new knives are phenomenal. I had some dull ones before and I, they were, they, they did the job, but these new knives are great. And they're specifically for cooking. When I got these knives, I was so happy because what I could now do is cut what I needed to cut without losing the nutrients, without losing the good part of it. You know what God does with your heart? He begins to cut out the stuff that's damaging you. He begins to cut out the pain. He begins to cut out the bitterness. He begins to cut out the parts of you that you're saying, I've held on to these for so long because I didn't know how to let go of them. And yet when I came to the word and I sought the word, the word sought my heart. Because what is better than a healthy heart? Nothing. 
I'm just going to tell you, there is nothing better than having a healthy relationship and a healthy heart with our Father. You will not find any more good pleasure than when you're in his purpose. You will not find any more good pleasure than when you're in his presence. You will not find any more good pleasure than when you are with him. And what he wants to do is when you are with him, he wants to take out the part of you and dig out the nastiness and say, I've come to replace what is broken. I've come to fix what is broken. I've come to heal that which is damaged. Why? Because when we seek the word, the word seeks us. The word searches our heart and it reveals the parts of our heart that we might not want to deal with. Seeking power. Let the word seek you. Let it find the parts of you that are broken. Let it find the parts of you that are hurt. Let it find the parts of you that have doubt and frustration and anger and bitterness. Let it find those places and let it begin to keep you from wandering. Because when we get in pain, we tend to wander. We tend to start doing more so we can stop feeling more. That's what I do. I start doing more stuff so I don't have to deal with the fact that I'm in pain. And then what happens is later down the road, when I'm trying to do something that God has called me to do, I can't because I haven't dealt with what's pained me. So when I go to the word and it reveals the pain and it reveals the sadness and it reveals the bitterness, I say, Lord, this hurts, but it's better to be healthy with you than pained in the world. Seeking power. When you seek the word, it seeks your heart. And it heals you. It brings about new life. It brings about the beauty of life. You know that scripture when, in the New Testament when it talks about this? It talks about seek the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's Jesus talking in Matthew 22, verse 37. But do you know that Jesus is actually talking about this from the standpoint of what Moses talked about in Deuteronomy 6.5? Did you know that Moses told this to the Israelites long before Jesus appeared on the scene? Moses told the Israelites... Seek the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Seek him. Love him. Find out where he is and how he's doing. Be with him at all times. What does this tell us? Is that when we seek God with everything we have, not just with the parts of us that we're okay with, but even the parts of us that we might not like that much, when we seek him with everything that we have, including our future and our past, when we seek him with everything that we have, including the relationships that we will have, when we seek him with everything that we have and our desires and the way that we carry out our life and what goes into our heads and comes out of our mouth, when we seek him with everything that we have, we begin to talk more like him. We begin to live more like him. We begin to love more like him. Why do we need to seek the Lord? Because the world's dying. Why do we need to love the Lord with all that we have? Because the world needs to see true love. It sees a fractured and a broken and a, and, a, and a little glimpse of what it could see as a whole picture. And the fact that Jesus came and showed us what exactly it means to keep the word in life, to keep the word in everything that he did, to prove that he was the son of God. And when he sought us, he didn't seek us for a temporary time. He sought us for an eternal destination. Jesus came to seek you. And when he found you, what did you let him do to your heart? Let him heal. Let him restore. Let him build back the places in which you've lost hope. And lastly, treasuring power. 
Treasuring power. Say it with me. Treasuring power. Treasuring power. The psalmist says in verse 11, I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Say it with me. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why do we treasure the word? So that we won't sin against God. It doesn't get more forthright than that. If you've ever wondered how you stay in relationship with God, treasure the word. If you've ever wondered how you combat the desire to sin, treasure the word. If you've ever wondered, what do I need to do to grow? Treasure the word. Treasure the word. There are a couple things that come to mind when I think of this idea of treasure. There's something buried and there's something valuable. There's something buried and there's something valuable. So when we treasure the word, we are choosing to bury it and plant it in our hearts. I was, I was really checked recently because I was ministering with some people and I was talking with them and I was like, man, there's this verse, but I can't remember where it's from or who said it. I just know it's in the Bible. And then I pulled out my phone and I said, okay, let's go to Google. And I was sitting there and I was like, Lord, I don't think I know enough of your word. I don't, I, I know the general idea of it, but the power comes from the specificity of it. I need to treasure your word. So would you help me to plant this in my heart? Because I want to know this. And what Jesus says in the New Testament, he says, it's not what goes in a person that defiles him, but what comes out. You see, when you treasure the wrong things, the wrong things will ultimately come out of you. When you begin to treasure the love of money, your thought life, your entire existence will be about one thing, money. When you begin to treasure relationships, your relationships will be your saving grace and will ultimately be the thing that breaks you apart. When you begin to treasure the wrong things and plant them in your heart so deeply that it takes an excavator in the heavenly hand of Jesus to remove them, you end up scared of going to God because you don't know how he's going to deal with you. What do we treasure that we might not sin against the Lord? We treasure the word. What scriptures do you know? Because these last couple of months for me have been really hard. And all I've continued to do is hold on to the scriptures. These last couple of months have been really challenging for me. So all I've had to do was hold on to the scriptures. I don't know any other way of life at this moment. Because all I know is that when the storms come, my house is either going to be destroyed or be firm on the rock. What are you treasuring? Because what you're treasuring is the very thing that you're going to see when the storm comes. If you're treasuring the wrong things, the storm's going to come and destroy you. And after the storm's over, you're going to say, whoosh, Lord, I barely made it out. Though my house was destroyed, though I fell into sin and I got back up, I'm, I'm good back with you. When we get into the storms of life, the treasure that we have in our heart is going to be shown. And so what do we need to start putting in there? Put in the word. Put in the word in that treasure box of your heart and plant it deeply. Don't let it be surface level so that you remember it. And then one moment it's gone. And the next moment you're like, man, what did I say? You know, what I figured out in school is that school taught me to memorize, to pass tests, not to remember for longevity. Right. 
this is this is not a plug for school. Though I though I agree with you, this ain't a plug for school. This is just a moment in which we can really discern what the Lord is saying. There is this moment where we learn the word of God, and when we do, we need to treasure it. Treasure it. What does that mean? It means plant it consistently. I started planting some plants in my house, right? And this is the first time I've ever done that. And I'm, I don't know what I'm doing with plants. Just trying it. So I'm trying to figure it out. So I bought some basil, these basil seeds, and I bought these parsley seeds. And I planted them in my house. I put them on a windowsill. I watered them a couple times. And the next thing I know, I'm checking it every day. I want to see if something sprouted, right? I want to see if something, something's, been, something's been coming up. If I could see some basil, see some parsley. Nothing's come up yet. It's been two days. <laughs> it's been two days. Nothing comes up. What I've realized is that I've planted it and I've tended to it. I've given it water. I've made, it, I've made sure it's had ample sunlight. I've made sure that it's had all that's necessary for growth to happen. Your heart is the most fertile soil on planet Earth. There is nothing more fertile than your heart. And what you plant in your heart is going to grow out of you and people will see. So we need to treasure the word. I have begun to plant the word in my heart so deeply that when the storms of life come, my foundation is solid. So that there is nothing that would cause me to forget my God. Because when the storms of life come, and they will come, what will happen is that we will learn just where we find ourselves in relationship to God. And we will either say, we trust you, or I'm trying to get away from my pain. Treasuring the word that we might not sin against him. Treasuring the word that we might not sin against God. Your heart is the most fertile soil. Plant the word inside of it. Because what will happen is the word will come out of you. The word will come out of you and influence your family. It will come out of you and influence your university. It will come out of you and influence your classmates. It will come out of you and you will start to see the words of heaven become the power of God in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of your word, the power of your word. We thank you that it's so good to us that it keeps us. That it's so good to us that there is a seeking that it does in our hearts. And Lord, help us to begin to treasure the word that we might keep you in the place where you're supposed to be, which is on the throne of our hearts. We need you, Lord. So help us. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.